You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. So now God's given you a beautiful wife and uh, he's opening new doors of opportunity of ministry and God's raised you up to help other men. So tell us what that process was like to get there and the season that you're in and, and how God uses you to help these men now. Well, good question. So I think, you know, when I came back into ministry three years later, Cookie, I just uh, was looking for a place to kind of get my feet wet again. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I, uh, I served in a couple different churches just helping behind the scenes. Uh, one of the churches asked me to start speaking again. And, and so a couple of these pastors began to really identify a, uh, I guess, a calling to help men. I was doing men's ministry and coaching and counseling men that were struggling with porn and affair issues and things like that. So I guess now about two years ago, we finally officially began uh, uh, speaking to men and coaching men full time. So my life basically today is going out uh, about twice a month, speaking into the lives of men at men's event, men's conferences, men's breakfasts, seminars at churches, things like that. And I tell my story and it's honest, it's unvarnished. Uh, it's really, uh, really strong <laughs> And the reason it is, is because when it's uh, told in an honest way, they open up their hearts and vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So all of a sudden at the end of these men's gatherings, uh, these guys are like, man, they're asking questions. They're coming forward for prayer. They're, they're, they're looking for help. We move guys into, into groups. We, uh, it's just powerful. So we do that, uh, and then a lot of these guys that I'm meeting on the road in our travels, they're looking for ongoing help. Like, what do I do? And, uh, you know, I've, I've been in this uh, world for, you know, 20 years, and how do I get free? So I have a couple things that I do beyond that. So I have a coaching program that I do uh, online. I've got a platform uh, online where we can see each other. I can share resources. I can put things up on screen. And so I'll take uh, guys through like a six-week uh, freedom coaching program where I walk them through. It's called Resurrect uh, 777, and I walk them through uh, seven beliefs, seven new mindsets, and seven new practices to living the resurrected life. So it's spirit, mind, and then practice and body. And uh, so, and then they go into, uh, after that, they go into a men's group. And uh, so I have an online men's group. Sometimes I'll have two or three of them, depending on how busy I am. But, but we meet, uh, about 12 guys meet uh, for an hour and a half uh, once a week online. And we can all see each other. So every, every photo, every picture is up on the screen. And I do a little bit of training. And then we do uh, interaction back and forth. About half the guys are pastors or ministers. About the other half are just Christian guys. And we just do work together, and we just uh, help to facilitate complete and total uh, freedom in their life. And as soon as uh, they walk through that and they feel a deep sense of freedom and feel like uh, they're, they're strong and they're able to, to move out into the world again without 
weekly assistance, then my challenge to them is, okay, you go do it now. You know, you find a way to help guys so that you're staying engaged. So, uh, you know, I've, I get calls like yesterday. I got a call from a pastor uh, the other side of the country. Uh, he's in crisis uh, in, in an affair. Uh, his wife is, you know, just in, beside herself, and he, he didn't know what to do. And, and uh, the reason they're calling me is they know they can trust me. Um, I, uh, I'm going to listen. Uh, it's going to be confidential. I'm going to help them. I'm not going to call anybody. I'm not going to tell them, you know, I'm not going to tell them politically how to handle it. All I'm going to do is coach them on how to get help personally, how to walk through this in their marriage. Um, and if I can help, uh, help them process, you know, what they need to do in their church, I will, because I've done that a lot as well. Let me ask you this mm-hmm. little side journey on this because yeah. you made the statement and this is a big thing in our world. Yeah. And that is the political side of mm-hmm. being in public ministry yeah. and having a failure. Yeah. And um, what's the weight of that? And how did you not necessarily did you navigate it, but how do you see to help others navigate it? If, like you said, your coaching doesn't necessarily include yeah. the political side of it, but. How do they cope with it? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I think we've, in some parts of the, the Christian world, we've made all these rules. Uh, you know, if, if a guy, a uh, minister is caught in porn or caught in this or that, that, well, they're, they're, they're out for X amount of time and this is their punishment. And, uh, restoration from brokenness and from sin was never meant to be punitive. We don't see that in the New Testament. It it was always meant to be restorative. Yeah. So when you see uh, Paul talking to the Galatians, he said, if you see a man caught in sin, restore such a man in a spirit of meekness. So that word restore is the same word they used in that time for the healing of a broken bone. So when you heal a broken bone, there, there is a time where the bone is immobilized. There's a time where it's wrapped carefully. It is set in place, and there's healing that happens, but then there's also the time to unwrap and let it go back to work. So I think for ministers, you know. And in the natural, a bone is actually stronger it, after a break you're exactly than before. Right. Yeah, I broke my arm when I was 17, my left arm, and it's stronger than my right arm today. So my feeling is... Uh, when a minister falls into or falls into porn or, or some form of sexual sin, it doesn't mean they're disqualified from ministry. It doesn't mean their future is gone. Now, depending on the degree and depending what's happened, they, there's some that may need a, a more extended time of restoration. There's others that maybe don't need as long an amount of time. I don't think every pastor that has had a, some kind of sexual crisis needs to be taken out of their church and needs uh, needs to be replaced. In some cases, maybe they do. But we can't set up all these punitive rules of saying this and this and this and this uh, because for each and every, uh, you know, each and every church and each and every couple that I deal with, they're all different. And they, they all need varying degrees of help and, and, and ministry. And so I, I would say of all the, the pastors 
worship guys, youth pastors that I've worked with, I would say more than half of them have been able to stay within context, be healed in context, have time uh, set aside for that healing, but then continue in context. And the whole world doesn't need to know either. You know, this idea that we just need to tell the whole world and just expose them to the whole, you know, it, that's... People don't understand the damage that does and the hurt that that causes. We don't do that to anybody else in the church. You know, why do we, why do, we do it to these other the ministry families and put their kids through that and put their wives through that? It's absolutely ridiculous. And the only, the only reason that I would see for, you know, we were asked to leave our church. We didn't want to. We were told, the church, the church was told, our church was told they couldn't contact us. So, <laughs> we had nobody. We were just completely isolated. The only time that that should ever happen is if the minister is just completely unrepentant. I mean, he's just like, forget you. I get that. But if there's repentance and there's it is, even if he doesn't know how to repent, but he wants to, you know, sometimes we have to kind of show somebody how to repent. But if there's a desire to repent, we've got to find a way uh, to make that happen. So I'm just a big proponent of, of uh, loving people well, uh, finding out, okay, how do we restore this person well? what kind of time is needed, what kind of bandages, what kind of immobilization is needed, and, and let's be there for the, their family. Let's love their kids. Let's love that spouse. And sometimes it's, you know, I, I, I've got a guy right now I'm working with in, uh, oh, the West Coast, no, the East Coast, and it's not him, it's his wife. His wife had an affair, and so he's the pastor. Wow, you know, and, and it's, he found out the third time. So it's an entirely different situation. Now he's trying to figure out and coping with his own pain. And, and so, you know, it's not always even, you know, the, 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 the man. It's sometimes the woman that's, that's struggling. But we've got to have more compassion and more love and more grace. And it doesn't mean that we just kind of, you know, say, well, just, you know, you're fine. Go back to do what you're doing. But it does mean that we care enough to walk with them through the fire and help them uh, get to the other side. And I'm here today because of, even though my church wasn't able to be there for me, there were others that were that were able to do that with me, and I, I, I wouldn't be here without them. Wow, praise God, yeah. I love that. Thanks for letting me take that side journey. Yeah. I got like that politic thing, it's <laughs> a big deal yeah. in church, and it's not fair. Nope. It's not fair because... You know, people have giftings, graces, and callings upon their life. And um, we're just hurting the body when we don't allow them to be restored to what they're called to do to the re for the rest of the body. Recently, um, Jen Trengale was at our church ministering, and she made this statement. She said, if we could look at our lives and the call of God on our lives, no matter what that is, and she was coming at it from a seven mountains perspective, you know, kind of thing, no matter what place you are in life, there's a call on your life for whatever it is you're doing, whether you're in business or government or ministry or whatever. But based on that call, there's going to be assignments in your life 
that don't always look they f like they fit with the call, but as you move forward, then you begin to see how they do, how God was connecting these dots for your life. So the call was like an umbrella, but the assignments were different at different seasons at different oh, times. Good. Isn't that a great thought yeah. process? Do you feel like people who have, um, you know, undergone similar crisis situations that you have, um, and they've had to redefine themselves, um, and going through that process and the restoration process, you know, we just talked about the need, you know, navigating the politics of church life. Now, what does that look like now? Do you believe that, 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 that even though you faced what you faced, there's still a call on your life. You just have a different assignment now. Yeah. Yeah. I tried, I honestly, Cookie, I tried to get away from ministry and it was just impossible. It was just so in me, uh, and not even a pining for what used to be, but it was just more, I, I, I have to help people. Yeah. I have to help people. This is who I am. Yeah. So it, it didn't matter to me what that looked like. Mm -hmm. I just, I have to, I have to speak into lives, live into lives. And so, but the assignments do change and vary. And like you say, shift. Um, one pastor put it to me like this. I thought this was good. Blaine, you often find your calling in your conquering. So where God uses you to conquer, there's often calling that comes out of that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's a great perspective. Yeah. So I, I just began to lean into, well, this is where God has helped me to conquer. I'm going to help, I'm going to help others, uh, conquer in that area as well. But, you know, I think guys and, and, and women that have failed on any level, whether it's sexually or any other level, um, there's, there's something else that we need to understand that we, we need to kind of accept our forgiveness too. Mm -hmm. You know, for, for a long time, years and years, I just kind of, you know, I'd get around the church or get around ministers and kind of put my head down a little bit and wouldn't engage like I used to. I felt like I wasn't quite in the, the in crowd anymore. I didn't belong anymore. You know, I wasn't good enough anymore. And the Lord, you know, even really through Lori, my wife, she just had to kind of grab me by the shoulders and say, Blaine, you know, you're, you're good enough. You know, you're, you don't, you don't have to kind of, you know, apologize for, for who you are today. This is in your past. This was 10 years ago. Uh, you haven't done anything since you have been living a good life. You are a good husband. You're a good father. Hold your shoulders up. Walk in to wherever you're going and be the man of God that you are. Not with pride or arrogance, but just with a assurance that you're forgiven and that you're loved. And I needed to, man, I needed I to hear that. that. Yeah. You know, we, we can't let our past define us, uh, even if others want to continue to define us. In my book, I talk about... Um, the, the last third of the book is all about my resurrection. Um, Tell us the name of the book and how people could get a hold of it. Yeah, it's called uh, Death by a Thousand Lies. And, uh, and the subtitle is The Seven Dirty Little Secrets of Resurrection. So the reason I called it that is uh, it wasn't my addiction that killed me. It was lying about it. Right. It was covering it up. Right. So... It was just all these lies and cover up for 20, 23 years. So 
They can get it on Amazon. Uh, just look it up, Death by a Thousand Lies, or go to my website, uh, choppingwood.org, and uh, they'll find it there. But, yeah, the last, uh, the first third is my uh, cover-up. The second third of the book is my crash. <laughs> and the last uh, third is, is my resurrection. But one of the, one of the, the seven secrets is uh, there are always snipers at a resurrection parade. When La- oh, that is so well said. Yeah. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, yeah. a chapter later, the Pharisees were trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. How, how mean is that, right? Like he just got raised from the dead and they're trying to re-kill him. And I thought, man, that's just like the Pharisees, man. You know, and, and there's something about, you know, we, we resurrected people who've come out of brokenness and crisis and come out of our own pain, whatever it may be. Uh, there are going to be snipers that want to keep taking us down, want to keep taking us out, want to keep bringing us back to where we used to be or what we used to do, want to keep defining us by yesterday. And at some point, Jesus wants to just say, listen, you are truly a new man or new woman. Live into it. You know, smile, be happy, enjoy your new life. That is so good. So. <laughs> Ugh, I love that. Yeah. You mentioned about uh, on your website, choppingwood.org. Mm-hmm. Tell us what that is, where that phrase came from, Yeah, that whole process. So uh, my counselor, when I was uh, going through all my counseling and rehab uh, the first two years, um, I would just keep going back. And I remember the, it, it took me about a year to get complete freedom. I mean, I, ke- I kept having slip-ups with porn and kind of falling back into that. And I was getting stronger, but I I just remember saying, man, am I ever going to get totally free of this? And uh, he just kept saying, Blaine, you got to keep chopping wood, man. Do your work. Do your work. Do your work. And so chopping wood for me was uh, keeping my prayer life and and uh, doing my men's groups and, uh, you know, the Lord's Prayer and uh, just being faithful to church and being faithful to my friendships and my relationships and, and just just doing the work and chopping the wood. And, uh, and the cool thing about chopping wood, not only are you chopping wood that can warm you in a fire, but you're getting warm in the process as well. It's like dual warmth. <laughs> so so uh, I just kept you know, doing the work. And so when we, when we decided to come up with a name, we thought, well, let's just encourage men to do the work, to chop the wood, to get serious uh, about what it means to live a resurrected life and to live free. Because uh, 95% of men have uh, engaged on some level in pornography and then not even to mention beyond that. But, and then uh, about 65% of uh, millennials are, are right now engaged in pornography. Uh, boomers are closer to about 55%. Uh, ED pills are, uh, are going through the roof with millennials right now because uh, uh, they are so into the fantasy world that reality doesn't live up anymore. So, so porn is just rampant. Uh, in, and so we're, we are just trying to, the website, create a... Uh, a place where guys can come and find out that there is safe and confidential help uh, that they can reach out. So we have uh, a, an email sign up where I do a weekly coaching email uh, 
it's not a sales email. It's just coaching every week. Just here's what you can do. Here's what you can learn. Um, and then uh, I post blogs. We have videos. Uh, we uh, and then I do I do my uh, my actual coaching. So guys, if they want to go through a six week coaching program or they want to get into one of our weekly men's groups online, they can uh, get information on that. So so that's what the that's what the website is. So going forward now, how do we address our young people who have children coming up to put, since so much is coming at them on a daily basis, so how do we protect the children coming up? How do parents protect their children? Great question, Cookie. So, you know, when I grew up, uh, porn was accessible at a bookstore somewhere, you know, some seedy store, and uh, today... If a kid has a smartphone, they have millions of images that are free, videos that are free in their pocket every day. So we just have to get smart as parents. Uh, we have to uh, have, I think, we have to put limits on their, their smartphones because that's where they're going to access porn the easiest. So I, if I were a parent today, I wouldn't let my child be in their bedroom on a computer or on their smartphone just just kind of scrolling and looking and endlessly if they want to get on their social media or whatever uh they do it in living room or in game room or in a place where everyone else is and that's inconvenient but i would rather inconvenience them than make it really easy for them to stumble onto some porn and because uh, it just takes one time and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I want to go back to that or I want to what, what else is there? And it can just get so easy. I would also encourage parents to put uh, some kind of filter on their uh, on their media, on their computers, even on kids uh, phones. Uh, Covenant Eyes, uh, it's CovenantEyes.com, I think, but they have great filters. Uh, I use Covenant Eyes. Uh Especially early on in my, while I was single in my recovery, I had covenant eyes on all my devices. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just protects uh, us from going anywhere and, uh, and accessing websites that are inappropriate. And it'll, it's a great safety guard uh, for your kids. And then I think that, you know, I think w the best thing we could do in a practical way with our kids is just to, you know, be able to sit down with them and give them permission to be honest. And, uh, and so even with my older kids, I mean, one of the things that I did after my crisis is as I gradually began to gain trust with them again and, and gain access into their lives again, uh, I began to just say, hey, guys, if you're struggling, man, you know your dad struggled. You know I was a mess. You are in a judgment-free zone with me. You can tell me anything, and I am not going to judge you. I will only love you, and I will only help you. And whatever help I give you, you can take it or leave it. If you don't agree with it or it's not helpful, you know, uh, I'm not going to freak out. I just want you to know that I'm here for you, and, and, and all three of them have called numerous times over the years just saying, whether it's a marriage issue or a personal issue or a life issue, uh, I've been able to have that kind of access. So I think when we get vulnerable with our kids and we're honest about our own faults and our own struggles, not that we have to go into all the details, but enough 
to let them know, listen, I'm, I'm human, yeah, and you can be human with me uh, and allow them to, to have that access. And if they're uncomfortable talking to you about it, maybe you're a single mom and you've got a son saying, hey, you know, I've got this, you know, really good, uh, we've got this really good youth pastor at our church, you know, you know, Pastor Jim. I, I've talked to him. He'd love to have a conversation if you ever need one or whoever that mentor might be for him. So That's good. Yeah. Lane, tell us again the name of your book, where they can get it. Okay. Tell us again your website. Okay. How they can access yeah. your so, services if they right. need it. Yeah, so uh, you can get the book, Death by a Thousand Lives, Amazon.com, or go to my website, uh, it, Two, two ways to get there, choppingwood.org or blainebartell.com. And uh, if any, if, if maybe there's a minister out there, somebody listening is just struggling or has a question, you're welcome to personally email me, uh, bbartell, B-B-A-R-T-E-L 99 at gmail.com. So you're welcome to reach out to me through email as well. So thank you for having thank me Thank you so much. This means the world to us. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. Thanks, Cookie. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.